Hello, welcome to Under the Piano, Travel Edition. <laughs> I am not under the piano once again. This is episode three, two episodes in, without being under the piano. That was the sound of my toy piano as your substitute for the missing piano element in, I guess, the physical reality of my recording. This episode for you. A few days ago, let's see, it's Monday. Last Wednesday, I performed a concert in Zagreb in Croatia for my first time, and I knew about two days before that I might decide to do an episode on performing, but I needed to wait until after I finished the performance, whether you know. I felt okay enough for me to then talk about performing because if it went terribly, then I would just feel triggered, and I don't want to revisit traumatizing experiences in this podcast recording. So it went okay enough for me to feel like let's do an episode about performing because I have performed for some years, not incredibly extensively yet. So I think it'll be interesting for me to do these episodes if this podcast continues on throughout my career to do these again. I asked you for questions on my Instagram. I guess like an hour after my concert, and I'm going to be responding to your questions about performing. Let's see how should I start this. Well, okay, the day after my concert in Zagreb, I did a little talk with students in a classroom. Which is not something that I feel like I have the right to be doing. I sometimes get invitations that I'm not really sure about accepting because I just don't know if I have anything interesting to say. So I appreciate you for clicking on this podcast to listen to if you've been tuning in. But I mention this because someone asked how I deal with nerves. I think a lot of people ask about this, and I thought maybe I could tell you a little bit about my. Experience with performing throughout the years as a way to start this episode. So before I jump into answering questions, let's start at the age of five. Well, actually, I don't know if I performed for the first time when I was five. Oh, you know what it is? Back then, I don't really remember this in my first-hand memory, but. I did see photos not too long ago where I was performing in a mall back in Hong Kong. For those who don't know, I grew up in Hong Kong, and apparently I was playing Mozart Sonata in C, which, funny enough, starts like this. Oh wait, no. <laughs> you know. My my toy piano only has C E G C, so it's missing a few notes in between. But it's that sonata in C for those who know. Anyway, it's not that important. I played in random public places or occasions like this where it's kind of like a performance because in that photo there were I think a dozen or two or three dozens of people surrounding me. I don't know why. Again, I have no recollection of me doing this, which. Kind of explains the sentiment that I had, or the connection I had to performing back then. I hear stories from my parents about how I would 
just have fun or treat performing as having fun or even competing. I have absolutely no recollection of this. I think in a way when I performed as a child, and no, I don't really consider myself as a child prodigy by any means. I think I was a very clueless child when it comes to, I think I'm still very clueless now, but clueless as in I'm not concerned about what other people think. I'm not concerned about what my playing means for anything outside of just, oh, hey, I like to play the piano. It's fun to tickle the keys <laughs> and do something with my fingers. This has been a thing since I was a baby where I just like to play with things with my fingers and my hands. Anyway, I would just enter into kind of a, I don't know if it's a trance, but it's just kind of a zoning out where I just play, finish playing, and that's about it. <laughs> there isn't really anything beyond that. I enjoy it. Music is always in my fingers or in my brain. So whenever I get bored, I might tap my fingers on my lap or something and zone out. And I think it's the similar kind of feeling I have when I perform that I just kind of zone out. I mentioned this during the talk with the students last week, how I am not concentrated at all. I think I just kind of let it go on autopilot in a way. And sometimes my brain might be thinking about dinner or the fact that I'm hungry. Or I think there's this one little tiny memory where I think I was playing Chopin Prelude maybe. I don't know, actually. I think I was playing in some masterclass where I noticed that the reflection was very apparent. You know how in the lid, where the logo is, that part was very shiny, and I think I remember something about that reflection or my acknowledgement of that reflection during my performance. Was I nervous? I think once in a while I might be like, ooh, what is that note again that I'm supposed to play? So in a way, maybe I lost concentration out of my very unconcentrated, is unconcentrated a word? Probably not, but the opposite of concentrated way of playing when I'm in that kind of airy floating mode of just playing. So that's how I approached performing pretty much until I had my very first recital. This was at Juilliard. I was allowed to play a recital, I guess, in my second year. So how it was back then at Juilliard Pre-College was at the end of every year, you have the jury exam, which means you play a set of pieces for the entire piano faculty. And of course, they stop you halfway and you play only 10 to 15 minutes, depending on your age, I think. And of course, the requirement of what you're supposed to play also depends on, I think, your age back then. There might not have been requirement even in the very beginning, but anyway, that's roughly what jury is. And then at the end of that, you get voted on whether you're allowed to play a recital next year. So in 2007, in was it November, October, I played my very first recital. And I have a very clear memory of how I felt because I had a memory slip and because I guess it was a very new experience for me to play, I guess, 45 minutes or 50 minutes by myself in Paul Hall. That's the hall inside Juilliard. And I 
had prepared a program that I wasn't sure if I could learn all of it in a short amount of time. I played Box Italian Concerto. Oh, you know what? I'll try to put in clips of the audio from that recital. It's on YouTube if you want to revisit my little Tiffany uh, way of performing. I played Box Italian Concerto and then Mozart's Sonata in C, but not the one that I played in the mall. This is the slightly more complicated one that starts with. And then I played... What did I play? Was it... Wait, what did I play? Does it matter that I don't remember what I played? I forgot what it was after the Mozart. Was it Chopin's Fantasy Impromptu? And then first movement of Beethoven's Sonata in C? That's the ending? And then I played Clara de Lune. Maybe I'm mixing it. Ugh, I don't know. I don't think it matters and I don't really want to look it up. <laughs> but maybe I should look it up. Give me one second. What did I play when I was nine years old? Or ten. No, I was ten. Was I ten? Yes, I was ten. I was, I guess, two, three months before turning eleven. Hmm. <laughs> I think I'm more or less correct, but... Let's see. I don't think I uploaded the Mozart of that recital onto YouTube. Yeah, um, but I did upload the one I played in 2009, so a little bit older. But okay, doesn't matter. Roughly, that's what I played. You can find Vox Italian Concerto and Clara de Lune from when I was 10 years old in that recital on YouTube if you want to check it out um, <laughs> and hear how I played. But the story of performing goes like this. When I played Mozart's second movement, I had a memory shock moment. Sometimes I have a little bit of confidence issues with playing these slow movements. And I remember there was a moment when I was like, ah, oh, what is next? What's supposed to happen? And I think I got lost when I suddenly was thinking about the birthday party of my friend. Her name was Riley. <laughs> I was going to her birthday party after playing my concert. And I think it might have been my first birthday party or one, one of my first socializing experience. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I thought about that for a split second and then I got lost with my left hand for a split second. So I think I played one or two wrong harmonies, but I survived. <laughs> of course, I had that flash moment. Like I had a hot flash just for one second. I wonder if everyone experiences memory lapses like this. Like you have a tiny panic and then you start to feel really hot for a second until you find your way. So that uh, happened. And actually it, it happened also, memory lapses. It happens um, once in a while. It happened actually last week at the Croatia concert. I don't want to revisit and remember exactly how it sounded, but I did have a memory lapse moment. I don't think I was thinking about anyone's birthday parties, <laughs> but I think I just lost a little bit of concentration. Sometimes I'm too into the music that then I suddenly 
can't remember or consciously control what I'm supposed to be playing or what the next word in my sentence is supposed to be kind of expression. It's not super technical. Like I'm not telling myself play E flat and then D and then C. But yeah, I had a little bit of a memory lapse, but I think I tried to cover it with pedaling. And I don't know, I, I was not super mad about that. I think in a way, memory lapses, the more they happen, the less they matter. <laughs> Is that true? Maybe it's not true. I don't mean to be flippant about it, but I think you get used to making mistakes in performance. This is the point of what I'm trying to say. Memory lapses can happen and it's not the end of the world. In fact, I know I'm taking a detour. I'm supposed to talk about how I approach performing throughout the years, but since I suddenly am talking about memory lapses, a few months ago, I went to someone's recital at Carnegie Hall. And when I sit in an audience somewhere close to the soloist, I can feel their energy and their concentration. Something about it, I can, I don't know, I can just feel it when they play, if they're zoning out, if they're concentrated, if they're really passionate, if they're really in the moment, or if they are suddenly shaken up by something. And in this concert that I went to, I could feel the soloist losing concentration for a split second in a slow movement and had a similar memory lapse thing and this person I have a lot of respect for but you know memory lapses happen even at Carnegie Hall so I really felt empathetic I really felt for the soloist playing but you know at the end I don't think anyone cared I don't know if every single person knew of course <laughs> I that's how I hope that no one really noticed the memory lapse that I'm mentioning about last week, but even if you do, it is what it is. It's There's nothing I can do about it. I tried my best. Yeah. Okay, so we stopped at age 10. From age 10 till I think for the next 10 years, I would have a mixture of nerves and being out of material world. Whereas when I was a child, I, I mean a younger child, I was not really caring about what others think or the meaning of the concert or anything extra beyond just me fiddling with the keys. Between the ages of 10 till maybe late teens or 18, 19, 20, somewhere around there, maybe until 20, I would now start to care more and more about what others are thinking when I play. A little bit more. And I think it comes with being in a musical environment when I'm playing these concerts because I got approved to play these school recitals every year. And I had also other performances, but I guess I start to be more conscious during my performances. And that means I might be a little bit more nervous. Actually, yes, I think I would not acknowledge that I'm nervous, but I know that feeling and it's not a very relaxed feeling. It's definitely some mixture of nerves and adrenaline and something that isn't like me right now lying on a couch kind of feeling. And performing through those 10 years, I think I was just going through the motions. I don't think that I was really, really super involved with 
the music once in a while this might be true for example there was a year when i played don giovanni the opera by mozart i played the list transcription of his opera and that program that year i think that was in 20 2011 that program i was very proud to have done it because it is a notoriously difficult piece trying to look up what year was this yep 2011 so to me playing that piece during that concert i was very driven i was telling myself the entire time i can do this i practice this i know i can do it and so i think there was a lot of excitement when i was performing that concert because i was in a way trying to prove myself right and believing in myself maybe not the kind of energy necessarily that i would say you should have when you are performing but it, it was a confidence thing for me that concert to establish myself and feel like yes i can get to this level i can do it so i was very confident i think in that recital actually in the piece after the don giovanni i played prokofiev's toccata that was the second when I was a little bit hesitant, just a tiny bit, lost concentration, and actually I missed, I think, one sixteenth note or an eighth note of a beat or something. <laughs> Which might sound very minimal, but that piece is very rhythmical and very obvious for the pianist if you mess up, just because it's uh, one of those pieces that are like, if you're missing a drum beat, you will notice it kind of way. Anyway, so that was when I was uh, 14, I think. Mm. Oh, I skipped a year. The year before that, I played the Notorious Moonlight Sonata. I say Notorious because I did not actually want to upload that video, which now has millions of views, but I didn't want to upload that video because in the third movement, I messed up. And it was because I got scared. Not scared as in like, I'm going to run away and hide. They're kind of scared. But I was a little bit like, oh, can I make it? Can I make it? Uh, maybe I can't make it. And bleh was what happened. It happens in the first like 10 seconds of the third movement when I had that jump. It's not really a big jump. This episode is becoming me telling you all the mistakes that I've made <laughs> throughout my performances. But it's all, I think it all has one common theme, which is the second that I doubt myself, I have memory issues or I have misses and I make mistakes. And also so do other people, but maybe not everyone notices. And it's not the end of the world to make mistakes. I think that is the point of me recounting my experiences here. So in the past few years, I've developed a different way of performing or my relationship to performing has changed. It changed because in 2019, I was in the Dresden Music Festival where I was performing before other people's concerts. And these were very interactive, very fluid kind of performances mixed with dancers and singing and talking. And it was very multidisciplinary kind of performances. And I felt or I learned to feel very, very natural coming in 
and out, wait, coming in and out, going on and off stage. Because I would interview artists backstage and then walk out to play and then come back. And then something about that walking back and forth of a big concert hall venue in Dresden made it much more like part of everyday life. Because every day I was doing something related to that interdisciplinary program that was part of in the music festival. And it no longer felt like performing was this extremely special not not to say that it's lesser in value but it's not something so separate from ordinary life because my life for three and a half four weeks in that summer was constantly going in and out of concert places backstage interacting with artists and it just uh, felt very natural hi so i had to take a few minutes break to move because my parents just came back. I'm on a holiday with my parents right now and need to go back to my room so we can keep talking. Uh, I think I was talking about Dresden Music Festival, how I felt very natural. What I learned from that experience in 2019 summer was performing and walking on stage just feels like walking down the street. There was no separation anymore. Before, in the years before, I would treat it as this very, very serious special two hours of my life or one hour in the morning or the few hours before i would turn off my phone and stop looking at all social media so at the time it was really just i guess facebook and instagram i wouldn't look at anyone's messages i wouldn't post anything i would turn off my phone and try to psych myself out i mean not psych myself out as the point of what i was doing but essentially i was psyching myself out i realized because then I would make this into a very secluded moment in the day where I have to be hyper-concentrated to do this one thing that is playing the piano and playing it in the way that I feel I should in a performance, I guess. And it was just too weird. I learned that if I just treat it like I was walking down the street to buy some groceries, that kind of feeling and make it as natural, not even consciously make it as natural, just let it be a part of my day, that particular day of my concert, that I actually felt a lot more comfortable and it made it feel a lot more easy to play the concert because I wasn't psyching myself out. Unintentionally, even though the point of why I was turning off all social media and turning off my phone was so that I would feel most focused because I felt like that would make myself play my best, but I don't think it was doing myself any favor. I think it just made me even more nervous. Even if I don't show it, I think psychologically it was just too artificial to do it like this and now in recent years i find myself a lot more relaxed and because i feel like if i don't think of it as some extra special day i mean of course when i travel it is special because i am not at home but still trying to maintain that level of ease has helped me a lot and this definitely did not come from day one it came after I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years even, who knows, of performing. Now I'm going to answer your questions because I've rambled about myself a lot, but that is the trajectory of my experience with performing throughout the years. I got to find your questions. This time I asked on my own Instagram, but usually I ask on under the piano podcast Instagram. So let's see, going back to archive. I meant to answer these questions a lot sooner. 
So I thought I would ride off of the energy I had from the concert and make a podcast about it. But then holiday got in the way. <laughs> I'm still on holiday, but I wanted to do this podcast episode while I still have some memory of my concert experience. So where should I begin? How to be relaxed slash calm. Oh yeah, there's a lot about anxiety from performance and pressure. Are you stressed when performing? And if so, how to deal with it? How to be relaxed slash calm? Performance anxiety, how do you deal with it? Like maybe not try to make it go away because it won't. How do you manage the pressure of being on stage? I think the past half hour I have told you about how I remain calm. This is something new in the past year or so that I start telling myself when I am on the stage. Or not really telling myself when I'm on the stage particularly. But in general, my relationship to the piano has gotten closer, perhaps in the past year or two. So you might have seen a few videos on my YouTube channel titled Piano and Me. That kind of intimacy occurs when I perform, or at least I try to. No, I think, I wouldn't say I try to, I think it is how it is right now. When I play the piano, it's a lot more intimate and relaxed. I should really knock on wood. <laughs> I don't, do I have wood here? There. Um, I, I don't have performance anxiety. Again, it's because I don't think of it as a performance moment that will be extra, extra, I don't know, important or something. I mean, <laughs> if the day comes when I play at Carnegie, maybe I will have a different answer. But to me, it's just part of life. And the more you treat it like it's a normal part of your life, the less pressure there is to be a certain way when you perform. And when I'm on stage, it's just me and the piano. It's just me and you, piano buddy. And then I play as if, not as if, because there's even a layer of barrier if I say as if. I play just like I would when it isn't on the stage, maybe. Of course, I feed off the energy of the moment of performing still. And the fact that I play in front of an audience really brings more energy and more more excitement out of myself and therefore I might play things faster, I might play things more passionately, I might take more time, I might take less time, I might do a lot of things differently, but more or less my feeling is somewhat the same. What do you do before going on stage? I, well, usually my day, if I have a free day or so, I practice in the morning for maybe an hour or so and then I would or maybe two hours depends and then I would take a long break eat take a nap watch I don't know YouTube videos or TV sleep oh I already said nap there's no order of things but something like that and then I would play I don't really have a ritual or anything unless you count eating and sleeping or taking a short nap or a long nap. <laughs> I don't have a very strict routine. Are there any moments in which you're thinking about what the crowd is thinking on certain parts? Absolutely. When I miss something, especially if I'm playing in front of teachers or an academic crowd, 
I would be like, hmm, I wonder what they would think. For example, in Croatia, in Zagreb at least, in the academy, Scarlatti sonatas are part of their curriculum. Like it's part of their required repertoire to learn two Scarlatti sonatas each year, apparently. And then that got me thinking, like, ooh, they must have a expertise on Scarlatti sonatas, like with the ornaments. Because I mess around with the ornaments. I try to stay within what I have seen Scarlatti done when he does write out some decorations in his other sonatas, but it might not be 100% historically correct. Someone asked me a few months ago when I did play the Scarlatti sonatas and whether the ornaments I did were original or historically correct or something, and I was like, uh, maybe I try to find ones that would fit and make sense, but definitely, yes, I do have moments when I think about what the crowd is thinking. So for this recital last week, I tamed my decorations a bit because I didn't want to set a bad example if I happened to play an ornament that was a little bit maybe not historically correct. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think if and when I do decide to record Scarlatti Sonatas on a record or something, I would definitely do a bit more research. But for now, I just kind of try to play it like I've seen Scarlatti decorate some of his other passages in other sonatas. What are some ways a person can find joy in performing when it's terrifying? Last week at the talk with the students, I said, basically, you enter into fire and hell when it's your first time playing or maybe the first few times that you're playing in front of a crowd when you're performing, just because you have to just have to experience in order to feel better. So one way to look at this is if you're terrified now, the next time you play, you might be 5% less terrified just because you've had the experience from what you're having now. So if you look into the future and look backwards into the present moment, maybe there's a little bit of comfort in that. But I also feel like there must have been a reason that you are playing the instrument. Hopefully it's not because you were forced to, and maybe you were forced to, in which case I'm very, very sorry for the pressure you feel from whoever it is that forced you to play. But if you enjoyed playing when you're alone, then try to replicate that feeling when you are out in public. Because if you feel happy by yourself playing, maybe the same kind of happiness would happen for the audience that's listening when you're performing on a stage, in which case the joy you feel would theoretically magnify just because then more people would feel happy from listening. Also, in a way, the more you fight it, the more terrifying it is and the more negative it is. Sometimes it's good to just let you feel what you intuitively feel, even if it's a negative emotion, just because if you're fighting yourself, then you end up being in an argument with yourself. And that's not good because you're already feeling a little bit negative or maybe very negative. And then to add on top of that, you're fighting with yourself because you're scolding yourself or feeling negative. It really is just a vicious cycle. So I think acknowledging how you feel and just letting yourself feel how you feel is also perfectly fine. And in a way, even if you don't feel, it makes you a little bit happier because you give yourself the room to feel and it's okay to feel terrified. I think, yeah, maybe that's one step. Sometimes maybe part of it is also that you think that you're not supposed to feel nervous or terrified 
or anxious, but because you do feel it, you then fight yourself and get mad at yourself for feeling that way. So then you just end up double hurting yourself. I don't even know if it's possible to find joy in performing because then you're looking for something in performing, whether it's joy or some other feeling. I'm not sure that's the best approach. Just speaking from my own experience, I think if you try to aim for something that distracts you, I think, from the music itself and the experience of just going with the flow of playing music. Sometimes I find comfort in knowing that I have prepared a certain passage maybe that is a little bit quote-unquote terrifying. Maybe this will help someone. So you know that Beethoven sonata that I played last week, the A major one that has the octave rolling down the hill and then rolling up the hill and apparently there is a controversy about how Beethoven wrote in fingerings that were incredibly impossible to play just because apparently I think Henle's editors wrote in that Beethoven's piano back then had keys that were narrower somehow and so it was actually easier to play on those pianos whereas I think it doesn't have to do with the narrowness of the piano keys but more to do with how quick you can get a sound back then from pianos as opposed to now with the mechanism is a little bit more complicated. In return, you get a different tone and you can vary a lot more in the color of the sound you make now on modern pianos. But back then, you do get a faster response just from the mechanism. The sound happens a lot faster the moment you press the key. So it's easier for you to play this passage because you can move slower. That passage, I told myself the hours before performing that I'm definitely going to miss. I'm definitely going to miss those passages. And it's okay. Definitely going to miss. Like I kept telling myself, heh, I'm going to miss. Turns out I didn't miss them during the performance, which was very interesting because then in Chryslariana, there were few leaps in the first movements that I, I missed two out of five because in a way, I didn't think much of it. And maybe it's also because I didn't tell myself I'm going to miss and it's all good. <laughs> so that was a funny moment. And maybe that will give some solace to somebody who might be stressed out about a particular technical passage in a piece that they're performing that makes them more terrified. Maybe this will make you less terrified. If you tell yourself you're going to miss, you might not miss. It's like reverse psychology. But no, I think what it does is it just lessens the pressure for yourself. And when you feel less pressure, like when you're playing at home, you might make less mistakes for those who are terrified on stage just because you're most relaxed when you're at home. Alone, maybe, if you're just playing for yourself. Every other question seems to be about stress here. So I hope everything that I've said so far in this episode will help people who are listening. I see you pause and reflect when you begin a concert. What thoughts are helping you? I am not thinking about anything. It's more just that I need to calm down, feel my own existence and the piano and just kind of... You know when you take a picture 
and you want to blur out the background and just focus on the subject, whether it's a person or a flower, the macro photography, it's the technical term. That's kind of what I'm doing psychologically when I sit down at the piano and before I play a piece. I just want to collect myself and just sit still for a little bit before I play. So I am not wobbly. You know, it's like you walk on stage. Yes, I've been saying that it's like walking down the street to get groceries. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a little bit different because there's adrenaline and extra energy and there's people physically there. So it's not 100% possible to ignore. But by sitting before I begin a concert, I can do exactly what you would do when you take a picture with the blurred background. You're trying to blur out the background and just focus on, in my case, the piano. Oh, someone said you were really nice in Zagreb. Congrats. Thank you. Really, I think 80% of the questions I am scrolling through right now are about anxiety and stage fright. How to be more confident is a question that I still deal with every day. Not just with playing piano, but just as a person growing up. The more you tell yourself to be more confident, the less confident you will be. That's how I feel. So I just take deep breaths if I feel anxious or, I don't know, when it comes to performing. This has nothing to do with how much I practice. It has to do with my relationship to the piano and what I think. I don't know, I, I'm just very connected somehow. I've grown connected this year a lot to the piano, just pianos in general. And so every time I play, I get more and more confidence in knowing how the piano is just from playing all different kinds of pianos and I have solace in knowing that I have that experience so unfortunately confidence comes with experience so it's not like you can take a pill on day one and be super confident I mean maybe there is a pill for that but I don't know about it how do you learn to stop being so nervous on stage and not break down how can you deal with anxiety and stage fright how do you accept the performance anxiety and how to stop hands from shaking? <sighs> I don't know, guys and girls. I think everything I've said about how I am psychologically is how I deal with all of those questions about anxiety and performance, stage fright. And do you consciously think things while you're performing? Sometimes, depends on what's happening. For example, last week in the recital, one of the keys, it was the F sharp. F sharp moves slower than G sharp. I had a trill, meaning I need to play F-sharp, G-sharp, F-sharp, G-sharp, or G-sharp, F-sharp, G-sharp, F-sharp. Play that sequence about, I don't know, 30 times in the Scarlatti Sonata in E. And I could feel the F-sharp not responding to the point where I almost was going to play a really bad trill. So of course I was consciously thinking, okay, I gotta play these trills slower because the F-sharp it's not going to be able to move as fast as the G sharp to make that trill even so it goes bup, 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 rather than bup, bup, bup. I need to play everything slower <laughs> with that trill. So sometimes I think about technical aspects when it has to do with a certain quirkiness of a piano. Or maybe sometimes I hear, oh, the bass is super loud. I need to lessen my pedaling. I need to play my left hand softer. Sometimes I adjust accordingly depending on what's happening during the performance because of course when it comes to acoustics when there are people in the hall filled up it kind of affects the acoustics it does actually not just kind of 
to what degree depends on each concert and each venue. How do you cope with the expectations versus the results of the performance? I have no clear expectations, except that I want to play my very best. I know what I would like to do. So in a way, maybe I do have a little bit of expectations, but it's not the kind that will fight with what ends up happening at the concert. I just learned to accept like how I was talking about the memory lapse I had or the misses that I had in last week and also in my years before and all the concerts before. Like I know that it will happen. And maybe in a way I got a little bit of comfort from hearing someone have the same thing happen at Carnegie Hall a few months ago, maybe. But I don't think being perfect is what I am aiming for during a performance. I know that things will be different. I know that I will play differently. And ultimately, that is the end result. And that's what I've been preparing for. It's not the so-called perfected version when I'm playing by myself. It's the concert version or the recording version if I'm doing a recording. But how do you stay calm during your performances and able to fully embrace yourself in music? It's just me and a piano. That's what I tell myself. Or not tell myself, that's how I feel. Or I have learned to feel. Do you ever get panicking thoughts while performing so you lose concentration? Yes. My first few minutes was about this. How do you stay in the moment while performing instead of being distracted by nerves? <laughs> a few years ago, actually this was a long time ago, but I hated the question. In a way, I still... Uh, no, I think I struck it off now better, but in the past, I would hate the question, do you feel nervous before a concert? Because my answer would be, well, now I do because you mentioned it. <laughs> uh, I think I was definitely in denial or I ignore or I just, I am nervous. That's why I say that in a way. But lately, I think I can feel that when I am in the music and just expressing, kind of like when I'm talking, I'm just talking, I'm not thinking about so many other things outside of what I'm talking about. When I'm in that stage, huh, no pun intended, I don't want to say atmosphere, when I'm in that state of mind, how do I stay in that state of mind, I guess is the question. Ugh, this is a really hard thing to describe. Something about the music itself attracts my attention. So it's not so much that I'm consciously telling myself stay in the moment. Of course, sometimes if I have a little mishap, a little voice might be like, ugh. But then another voice would be like, keep going. And then another voice would be like, focus. And then I get back into the music and that might happen within three seconds. Might happen within 10 seconds. If, for example, someone was playing with their keys, I guess there was a child, which not complaining because I love having young generations in the audience, but when there's distractions like that, you know, it takes a while for me to win my attention back and fight off the noise because during the recital it was a little bit hard for me to hear what the heck I was playing. <laughs> oh wait, excuse my language, I just said the word heck, but yes, I couldn't hear because of the similar high frequencies. It was covering some of what I was trying to listen to. Oh, how do you stay in the moment while performing? You listen. Yeah, maybe that's my answer. <laughs> I'm trying to think how it happens. Because when I'm performing, I'm not writing down. It's not like, you know, if you're doing a research study, a scientific study on something, you have a person writing down observations, and then you have the subject being studied. Right now, I'm trying to be both, and it's a little bit hard, but I'll try to recall how I feel. I think I, yeah, I think I am very 
much listening to the sounds that's coming out of the piano and how I can continue that. So it's the music that makes me stay in the moment. And because I like the music a lot, I want it to continue so I don't want it disrupted by thinking about something else. So maybe it's respect for the music. I'm not saying that if you get distracted, you are disrespecting the music. That's a little bit harsh, but I don't know. I think it's a it's an innate energy that draws me to the music. Do I tremble? No, I do not. Well, that's not true. I do tremble. I did. Not anymore. My feet. Oh, yeah. I really wasn't sure why. This was a temporary tick that happened during my late teen years. I remember asking my teacher at the time. I, I think the teacher just kind of laughed and said I was nervous or something. Not very encouraging. <laughs> but um, yeah, my feet would tremble, but it wasn't my right foot. So it wasn't the foot that was in charge of using the pedal that makes notes sound together. It was my other foot. This happened, I think, about six, seven years ago, I think. Yeah. I don't know if I consciously did anything to not make it tremble. It was a very weird thing. <laughs> um, maybe it had to do with changing my support system a little bit. Feeling inspired in general. Maybe something about the mentality subconsciously changed so I felt differently when I performed. Maybe. I'm not sure. But yes, I did tremble, actually. I forgot that that used to happen. But see... It goes away with time. Okay, some people are specifically asking about memory slips. On top of what I've already said, I think it's also helpful if you have a background music theory and harmonies that sometimes you're able to find your way back because you know how the harmonies go and what the progression is like. So you might end up playing something similar and be able to find your way back. That has happened before. When are you satisfied with your performance? I don't know if I ever feel satisfied. I mean, I will acknowledge that I've done something that I should be feeling good about. Not sure about being satisfied, but this past recital, I learned the program in six weeks. And I was feeling okay enough about it, even if I had little mistakes and misses here and there. I knew that it was an important thing that I achieved. And so I feel a little bit of satisfaction in that, but I don't like to rate my own performance after performing. Like I already know what I did wrong. And so it is what it is. Like I can't do anything about it. So I'll just remember what I have learned. Well, yeah, maybe that is what I have grown to be like. I try to take what I have learned from that experience of performing and think about that rather than think about all the things that I did wrong. For example, one time I messed up a very, very obvious piece. I messed up the last few chords and the left hand of Chopin's E-flat nocturne just because I think I was maybe zoning out from feeling good in that particular environment that I was playing in. It was a very, very special environment. And I messed up a few chords of, you know, one of the most famous Chopin nocturnes in the world. So that was not a very comfortable feeling, but it happened and I am still alive, so. And I've also, I think since from experience and also from connecting with the piano or with pianos in general, feel like it won't really happen again. I mean, I say not really. 
a little bit hesitant here just because it might happen, but I know now how to approach that feeling. If I ever play in a very lovely environment, how I should still focus on the music and listen to the music and play rather than think about the external factors. Oh, I kind of like this one. Hi. Hi. <laughs> how do you build a relationship with the public during a performance? You're telling a story. Sometimes I really feel like I'm telling a story. So especially with the silences and the little pauses in between phrases or sentences in music, I would play it a little bit more differently, maybe more lively or a little bit more curious because, you know, there's actually recipients of that curiosity. Whereas when I'm by myself, it's just the walls and the walls aren't very interested in my playing. So, well, I hope the public's interested in my playing, but I just mean, you know, the walls don't really react. They don't have feelings, I think. So when I'm playing in public, I think it's a lot of fun when you think of it as telling someone a story. Like, ooh, this happened. And then key change. So maybe like, ooh, but then this happened. It's never a very concrete story, but I just mean these little feelings. Something happened, and then this happened. Oh, but then this happened. Did you know this could happen? It's all very vague questionings, but that's what I mean. I think maybe that's how it is to build a relationship with the public. Again, not super consciously trying to build a relationship, but just telling a story. I think that's a lot of fun. Okay, last question. A little off topic, but when did you know you wanted to be a performer? I never knew that. <laughs> I, like I said in the beginning, I was a very clueless child. I just played because I liked playing. And to this day, I think too, a lot of the questions about anxiety and stress and things like that, I think I just, at the end of the day, like to play the piano. And I like the music and it's fun to play and tell a story. Sometimes it's not super fun if it's, you know, something crazy, emotional like Christ Lariana. So maybe fun is not the best word for all kinds of pieces when I'm performing. But in general, I think that connection of telling a story through music, exploring the different characteristics of pianos and how they express the same pieces differently, changing up based on the piano and the venue. All of that, it's a lot of fun, even if the music is depressing in some sense. So it's just somehow I grew more and more into the career that I'm having now and I look forward to playing more concerts. I think it's time for lunch because I hear my parents' footsteps coming up. Yep, that is it. All right, bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, you can rate it and leave a review on Spotify and Apple. That is my mother saying time for lunch or sick fun in Cantonese. So I will talk to you in the next episode. Thank you for listening.